0: Hey, guys, it's your boy, Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all speedy marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all speedy marts across Las Vegas.
1: Welcome back to the second hour here of the Morning Tailgate on Raider Nation Radio. Our good friend, Willie Ramirez, who'll join us in just a few minutes here on the Realty One Group listener line, 69187, Sam and Ash, text like you can hit us up on Twitter at r 920 AM here on a beautiful and perfect Monday morning tailgate as we broadcast out of the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios. Vinnie and Clay here with you on this second hour. We'll also be joined by Tiffany McNiff of the Raiderettes around 845. She'll discuss the local tryouts that are coming in for the Lady Raiderettes in this month all that and more here in the second hour and we'll also get a chance to go a little deeper with the nba summer league with our good friend albert hall that's at nine o'clock and joining us now it's the one and only willie ramirez he covers the raiders with the associated press and is also the co-host with co-fielding company on espn las vegas monday through friday while well, i'm on twitter at willie g ramirez willie good morning how are you gentlemen happy monday to you Oh, it's a pleasure to have you with us. By God, Willie, and I tell you what—seeing uh, you at minicamp for the Raiders a few weeks ago, it was a joy. And uh, certainly, there were areas to work on. What, would, what did you think that there were certain concerns that they'll take from minicamp and start to reprioritize when they hit training camp in just a few weeks?
2: Well, from my standpoint, I you know, and, and I just talked about this on national radio the other day. <clears throat> I think the running back room needs answers. Um, you know, and I know there's other areas that, uh, and other reporters, and, and, and I'm sure that the team itself, you know, has is looking for answers, um, be it, you know, the defensive backs with the cornerbacks, um, <clears throat> what may take place with the linebackers. But for me, I want answers in the running back room simply because I just don't know. I, I just think Josh Jacobs has a question mark lingering over his head. Okay. We didn't see him outdoors at the mandatories. McDaniel said, well, some guys are working indoors. We went indoors. He wasn't indoors. Um, so, you know, I, I have to wonder, you know, the, non, the non-extension on the fifth year, non-picking up of the fifth-year option, I, I, I just have to wonder what, where that's playing out, what their mindset is. They, they, they drafted a big room. Then you know, we were sitting there at draft night, and, you know, and with what they had to say in terms of, well, there's no job that's safe outside of what? Derek Carrs and Devontae Adams and Max Crosby's? There's no job safe. So that being said, you bring in a veteran like Bolden, you have a guy like Kenyon Drake who has, has been with this offense, even though it's a brand new, it's revamped, and then you drop Jameer. I, I just think that we need answers as far as that's, that's what I'm going to be looking for going into you know the 20th when things uh, open up for us to go and watch um, training camp is where that running back's room is at heading into the Hall of Fame game, the preseason, and the regular season.
0: What do you need to see?
2: Well, I, I, I'd like to know who, who they're going to be working with, the ones. I want to know how much they're – for me, I think Kenyon Drake is is the, is the somewhat of the go-to guy with Bolden as the two veterans. Kenyon Drake, I, I've just been a fan of as far as watching him play um, for consistency coming out of the backfield to catch passes. You know, providing a little bit of scat back move here and there when they need some yards. I think there's a huge upside to Zamir. I think that this kid can be mentored right. I think that he's he's proven things wrong all of his life, and I think that when he's up against it, and I'm not saying he's up against it as a rookie, but it's somewhat of a okay a new challenge. He's met every challenge in his life on and off the field, and when you have you bring in a veteran like Bolden to sort of mold those things. I think it's a great trifecta that leaves Josh Jacobs on the outside. So I, I want to see who runs the ones, and I want to see how much they're going to work with the rookie and how much Bolden is a part of sort of mentoring everybody, much like we saw with Casey Hayward last year with the defensive backs.
0: Willie, when you mentioned um, you know Josh Jacobs not getting the fifth-year uh, option uh, picked up, um, could I make the case that that's just really kind of where this – a uh, leadership group, kind of, kind of, uh, how or how uh, they they look at the running back position. They're not going to pay huge top dollars uh, at running back. Uh, they'll get what they can get out of Josh Jacobs this year, uh, if it leads to a um, you know an extension more along the lines of how they value running back. Uh, you know that's that's fine. But but do you think it's because of performance or you know that he's on the outs? Or just that, hey, this is kind of how we value running back. Uh, we'll get what we can get out of Josh Jacobs, and maybe next year uh, it's Zamir White's turn.
2: I think it's exactly what you said in terms of you know it's somewhat of an audition. Just like you know, I think that this is they're not going to put the money on the line for a running back, right? They they've got their big money investments already, and I think that they're I think they're gearing things toward you know a somewhat of a, a of a pre- predominant pass happy offense. That's triggered and fueled by an effective rushing game, whether it's, you know, um, whether it's a power game to move the chains, um, whether it's to set up play action. I just don't believe that they, they're tying themselves into one big guy, whereas in the past, Josh was your starter. You know, since he's been drafted, he was your guy, and then who's accompanying him? Um, so, no, I agree with you that they're just not going to tie up their money in that 50 option, and this is an audition year for him. But I also think that they've opened the door for several others to sort of steal the spotlight. And for me, I believe the three that I mentioned are the three that can sort of steal that spotlight, and Josh is going to blend in. It's Josh's job to sort of maintain, and I believe that he has to come in and have an outstanding year. We've yet to see that, be it injury, uh, you know, this plagued him. Whatever it's may been, but we've yet to see the 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 top, you know, a, a top tier running back out of a draft performance or season from him. And I think that's what it's going to take for them to either extend him, you know, uh, and keep him.
1: It's Willie Ramirez from the Associated Press. Follow him on Twitter, at Willie G. Ramirez, also part of Cofield & Company with ESPN Las Vegas. Stay with the offense for a second, Willie, and when you think of what Derek Carr has with the weapons of not only Renfro and Waller, but, you know, with the addition of Devontae Adams, who out of of that mix could be up for a breakout year, or is it somebody else?
2: Well, you know, it's funny because I I saw this question when you sent over some topics, and and I'm thinking to myself, gosh, is there really such a thing as a breakout season for a guy like Darren Waller? He broke out a couple of years ago. We know what he's capable of. Hunter Redfro, he took advantage of unforeseen circumstances last season. He had a breakout season. Devontae Adams has been broke out. So as far as the receiving core, be it tight ends or receiving room, I'm not sure that breakout season is the right phrase for any of them. And I don't know that any one of those three sort of, Steal the show because I think when you when you look back at what the Patriots did with Gronk or you know um, a guy like Edelman or a, whoever Tom Brady's big target was that particular season, you know there's three viable options. Devontae obviously is going to be his number one target, but there are going to be games where coverages dictate. Maybe, you know, some slant patterns, some inside patterns, a guy who can go over the, buttle, uh, over the middle, a, a tougher-than-nails guy like Renfro, or you get your tight end involved. So I think that for those three in particular, I don't think breakout season is, is the right place, because I think they've all had it. Uh, I go back to Zamir White, where if, if they make him a part of this offense and Bolden somewhat, you know, he's a veteran. Kenyon Drake is somewhat of a drive. I, I, I think he may be the surprise of being a key component in the offense, but I think Zamir White has the potential with the mentors he has around him to have that if that's the route they go.
0: Yeah, uh, I think Zamir White uh, has all sorts of talent. I'm not sure it's going to be this year, uh, but but um, maybe situationally uh, or if an injury happens. Uh, but I think down the line, uh, he's somebody that Raider fans uh, can definitely keep an eye on. And I think what you're saying, Willie, is uh, not necessary. Not necessary for those guys to have breakout years. Just do what they've been doing, right?
2: Yeah, no, and there's no doubt about it, and I think that's what makes this offense so special, and I think that's why I've continued to say that there's no more excuses, and not that Derek Carr has ever come up with excuses. It's other people that are coming up with the reasons and the finger-pointing at Derek. You know, Derek Carr's never been really one to make excuses, if you will. It's just that he's got his guy here now. He's got, you know, um, going into the season, (laughs) it looks like this team's going to be healthy, so when you have the components of three guys that have proven themselves in many different circumstances and situations like Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller, um, Derek Carr has got to go out and continue to play the hard-nosed quarterback position that he's always played. And he again, he's got his guy. He's got his college guy. He's got the guy that he's, that's been brought up the past couple of off-seasons, the guy he's worked out with, you know, his college buddy. So I think that his mindset a little bit will be you know in this ninth year this may be his most the, the most clarity that he goes into a season with his mind you know i think i asked him that question last year he was like you know i start the season every with a clear mind but i think this time this is a season where he feels the most comfortable mm-hmm. because he's got his guy
1: It's Willie Ramirez here with us on the Morning Tailgate, Raider Nation Radio. Hey, on the defensive side, you know there's been a lot of guys that have been brought in, a lot of new faces, not only in the defense, but of course, Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator. How do you feel about the way they got their guys early on in free agency? They made a lot of acquisitions in those first early days. Are they upgrades from last year, starting with the defensive line and all the way to the secondary? Well...
2: It's, I mean, it's it's easy to, to 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 guesstimate if if it's an upgrade. I think it all remains to be seen. Like with anything else, um, with you know, starting there with Chandler Jones, I think he's the right complement opposite Max Crosby, replacing in, in You know, um, it, you you basically are bringing in an experienced guy who's been there, done it, and he's he he's we. I think he stole the the you know. One of the press conferences of all the players we spoke with, Vinny, I think you could agree the day that he spoke, he was a fantastic, you know, interview for all of us, um, you know, complimentary of Max Crosby. And Max, when we had him saying that he was shocked when Chandler was asking him questions and learning from him and saying that he was trying to pay attention to what he was doing. So when you have a veteran coming into a situation like that, and Max Crosby is such an, um, an imposing and polarizing figure on the other side you know, you wonder, is there going to be a power struggle there? And it seems as if they're working cohesively together. So I think he's a great addition. Um, Rocky, Yossin, Anthony Averett, you know, I think the big question from cornerback is can can Casey Hayward be replaced? You know, in terms of his leadership in the room at practices with, with, you know, the secondary, I think the talent is there. I mean, you're, 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 you're going up against the, the AFC West with that's arguably the best quarterback division. So you know, talent-wise, they're going to have to step things up, but I think anything is an upgrade based in terms of, you know, ha- as far down as that secondary looked at certain times last year. I think anything could be an improvement with the right schematics. So um, I think this is the one area that we all want to see accountability. Vin, I don't know if you agree with me there. Linebacking crew, you know, Jam Brown brings six years of experience to join veteran Denzel Perryman. Um, you know, and, and my biggest question, Mark, I think on defense right now is probably, if you put put a gun in my hand, might be Jonathan Abram. Not sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about, I talked about Chandler Jones, his, his press, uh, availability. I don't know how much we were all impressed with Jonathan. He seemed a little bit more on the defensive side, a little colder, um, and maybe that's a chip on his shoulder and he's coming in with the right attitude to sort of have that Raider mentality. I don't know, but, um. No, I I think it's just we have to see their performances. We can't really say if it's an upgrade until we see them put into action because I think all four teams, especially the Chargers, upgraded uh, as well. So until we see the defense put to test, uh, that question remains to be answered.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I want to take you back to uh, offense, and I want to take you back to Derek Carr uh, because you touched on something uh, that I think is really important. Um, You know, when we talked to him, he talked about how, you know, it's just – great and fun just to be talking about football. You know, we all know what what they went through last year and uh, the the heavy burden that he had and everything that was on his shoulders to always say the right thing, to always lead, to try to get them out of, you know, whatever uh, off-field controversy uh, was was going on that particular week. Uh, But in addition to that, Willie, you know... There's no more. Oh man, is this rookie gonna be okay? <laughs> is this rookie gonna be able to uh, to to pull his weight? Is he is this is this young player you know uh, uh, ready to 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 put more on his shoulders? There's none of that really, aside from maybe some offensive line uh, positions, but I think the Raiders will be able to work around that. But when you think about Derek Carr now being able to have a comfort level in the fact that he's surrounded now primarily by um, seasoned veterans and proven veterans. It's not, like you said, it's not breakout. It's just do what you've done. There's proven productivity around him across the board for the first time uh, in his career. How much of a comfort level do you think that creates for Derek Carr?
2: I think it's huge, and I think the one component that helps this whole, that whole offensive room is Bolden. I think when you bring somebody who in who's been successful in a system that you are now learning, no matter how long you've been in the league, you know, it helps ease the rest of them because it takes the pressure off the captain to have people that are familiar with the system sort of take not take the captainship from Derek but lead things for each unit when, when a point needs to be made about a system. Someone doesn't understand something. You know, think about last year, go from Gruden to Basaccia. Someone doesn't understand something. Offensive line is doing this, whatever. Derek Carr is going to be the one that speaks up. There were other leaders on the, on the team in the unit to maybe say something, but you have a guy who actually understands not just the system, the X's and O's, the playbook, but he understands what Josh McDaniel's mind and the wheels that are spinning. He already knows and sees. He can look at the facial expressions and the mannerisms and go, I remember this is, listen guys, I've seen this look before. That's important. And I think that it all means something for Derek to relieve some of that pressure to other guys and veterans when it comes to Devontae Adams. I remember Derek as a young guy. We've talked about this during the offseason. I've seen that look, and he can relay those messages about what he knows and sees. I think it's very important, your point, Vinny, because it takes a lot of pressure in having to worry about so many people on the offense. For Derek, he's now relieved of that with a lot of veteranism around him.
1: Yeah, did you feel like Derek was going through a lot of that last year, especially uh, when he was constantly going up to the offensive line, you know, out of the huddle, like uh, trying to change the blocking assignments? It seemed like he was taking on a lot that he, you know, he didn't need to, but uh, he obviously felt like he had to in order to have success. You know, it seems like that, like you said, a lot of that's going to be alleviated from him because there's now more of a faith and trust in the system, especially the guys in front of him now.
2: It wasn't just last season; it two seasons ago. I remember asking him how frustrating it was. It was the it was the it was the week then the COVID week where they had a makeshift offensive line. You remember that? Oh yeah, and it's Tampa guys B. were everywhere. And I and I asked Derek. I was like, "Hey, when that happens, even when there's not COVID issues, how do you maintain your composure? In you know, you know, you're getting hit because not because the defensive line is blowing it up, but because of missed assignments or there's penalties. gets it gets very frustrating. And then because you're trying to correct. But you're not trying to condescend, and you're trying to be a captain, and you're trying to get, deliver a play. But you're trying to get a point across. It becomes very frustrating, he said. You know, and he tries to remain cool with them, nice. and then save it for the locker room or save it for practice. But now I, I just don't see—I just don't see it elevating to that level unless there's, you know, more crazy things. I just—I just think that this is a a right mix for them, where you know, like you said, no more excuses with rookies, no more excuses for. You know, not having the right targets or the right people around him. I just think that everybody should come in and do their job, and I'm not predicting a Super Bowl win here, but like I told the guys the other day on National Radio, I don't think that the Raiders are the fourth team in this division, and I certainly don't think the Chiefs are the best team. I think the team to beat should be the Chargers. They should be labeled the team to beat because of all the acquisitions they've done on both sides of the ball, but I think the Raiders can challenge the Chiefs for the number two, and depending on how well they play with momentum, it could, it could come down to the end, again, with the, with, with the, 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 whenever the Chargers and Raiders play their second game. I think it could come down to those two teams. If the Raiders get the productivity that they have with the talent that they brought in, and everybody plays to their potential, because it's, their, it's theirs for the taking, as long as they stay healthy. McDaniels has the mind to do it. He's admitted his mistakes from his time with Denver, and he says he's corrected them. So the, if the chemistry is there, and his bond with the players are there, and the coaches that he's brought in, I'm gonna tell you right now. One coach that I can't wait to see the unit is linebacker with with uh, yes. Pierce.
1: Yes, Antonio I was, Pierce.
2: I was hyped when I listened to him <laughs> talk. You know, uh, so I I I just I'm excited to cover this team this season to see what takes place with the potential and the upside of so
0: many players. All right, Willie, what's gonna happen at right tackle?
2: <sighs> you know what? <laughs> I am the last person. <laughs> I am the last guy that should be asked these questions, and I'll be real honest with you. I... It, I generally depend on all of you guys. Once we get back from walking to the, because it's so hot out there, I'm not bringing <laughs> binoculars. They're so far away. And how you guys pick up on that stuff, you know, and I always, you remember, I have different kinds of assignments than you guys do. So for the stories that I have to write for AP, I'm bailing like an hour after being out there. So the second hour, I'm not sitting there watching. I'm not sitting there. I'm certainly not sitting in the heat with this dome of mine. And I, uh so I somewhat you're just, a very I, I, smart,
0: you're a very smart man, yeah. Willie. I'm asking you the questions, and you're not giving me the answers I want to hear. I'm going to ask you again, Willie. <laughs> what do the Raiders do at right tackle?
2: Oh man, Ben. Are they going to go with Leatherwood? That's what I'm asking
0: you. How about that? Can I ask? Oh, you he's that?
1: asking me now. Oh, now we got to play the music, the tense music. <laughs> you know, the his job man, to lose. Is Leatherwood. His job Leatherwood to lose.
2: We'll have a much improved season. How's that? All
0: right.
1: All right. one thing I do like is uh, your work with Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas, and you know, when those, uh, with some great pictures uh, came out of uh, both Darren Waller, and you covered the Aces, Kelsey Plum, and it was fun to see them both pictured together going to like a little ceremonial dinner or whatever, it was cool, but you know what, Uh, the the conversation on Cofield & Company evolved into Vegas celebrity couples, where does like, even just the the infancy of it, or even just the uh, the imagery of Darren Waller, Kelsey Plum rank on the all-time Vegas celebrity couple list
2: well you uh, so okay and just let me just throw a side note because i prepared for one other question so before we leave i'm going to tell you the oh, one addition that i think this raiders team could add before we hang up but 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 let's talk about celebrity i first have to ask you is it sports couples or celebrity couples that's important
1: i know it is i mean sports couples would be very difficult but i think probably we have to go celebrity couples because uh okay, it, so, it, it make it the broad umbrella one
2: okay so you have to lead with Stephen E. Right. I mean, Edie Gourmet, Steve Lawrence, I mean, they lived in the Scotch 60s uh, neighborhood off there on Rancho at Alta. They were a big time performance on the on the strip. I mean, yep. they were a major, major, uh, major, major couple in here. And I think that that goes back to the history of of uh, of Las Vegas entertainment. Um, one of our funnest couples to talk about, uh, Cofield and I, is Gianni Russo and Dion Warwick. Yeah. Johnny Russo, of course, was Carlo in The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got some stories about him. <laughs> and uh, Dionne Warwick, of course, the singer. They had a relationship. Dionne Warwick performed at a Raiders game last year. So they were a couple. Johnny Russo had a, had a restaurant nightclub. It was the very first club that I ever DJed in. I was 18 years old, and I was a valet parker, and I got to DJ in the club after the valet booth closed for the dinner side. Ooh. and. Johnny Russo and Dion Warwick would have some knockdown, dragout arguments (laughs) in that club, and they would have, and they they'd have drinks because as dinner would subside, they had a stage. It was like a speakeasy, and people come up and guess. and Johnny would get up there and sing, and (laughs) he was Frank Sinatra thinking he could sing, and it was it was a fantastic. (laughs) You know, part of '80s Las Vegas carried over from the '70s lounge, but it, it had that obviously that that little Godfather mystique because you walk in, it's got all the pictures from the Godfather, in black and white, and you know, and celebrities would show up, and it, it, it was cool. So I, I put them up there just because of the the fun that we have with that couple. And then you know, for sports, I think the number one all time sports couple remains with Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf. Always, you know, I mean, two tennis greats. Now, I was challenged on, on, on Twitter by somebody, a longtime resident here in Vegas, um, who's, who said, "Why does it have to be if, it, if you read sports couples, then that means that you're saying a couple that's within sports. So do you mean sports athletes, or do you mean sports couple? Because oh. if you're talking about a sports couple, then I think Jerry and Lois Tarcanian belong on the list, and I abru- agree with my friend Sean DeFrank. But if, it's, if they both have to be athletes, well, then I don't necessarily think that they can be on there because I don't remember Lois ever being a part of athletics outside of supporting the historic run in rebels.
1: We don't know. She probably can dribble, uh, you know, and, and like hit the three. We we we've never asked her to, but you know, going as being as one of the one of the most uh, you know uh, you know lo- longest achieved uh, city elected official. Yeah, Lois Tarquinia is definitely one of the one of the pillars of the community right there. Absolutely, that belongs in there. That's a good list. That is a good. list. I like it. Yeah, that's awesome, Willie. All right, go on with your final thought because I know you got to get your work done.
2: So. You'd ask if there's a position group you can feel you could add, and I wanted to throw this out there just because uh, my guy, Vin, has the in, the no, the sources, everything, and I, and I have to say, out of everybody <laughs> in the media room, you know, I go up and ask questions, <laughs> I go, how the heck did you know that ahead of time? Vin is the only one that actually shares. He doesn't share his source, but he shares the information with me because he knows I'm not going to go turn around and tweet it out. That's right. So my guy, Vin, is on the know. He shares information beforehand. I don't disrespect him and tweet it out or anything like that, but I at least like to learn from Vinny. I mean, hey, I'm 53. I've been in this industry 35 years, but it's only my third year on the beat. I never admit that I can't learn more. So my guy, Vin, I wanted to throw this at him because I think an eager DB looking to thrive could come in and possibly be a key component in the event (laughs) Jonathan Abram doesn't work out, live up to expectations. I thought James Bradbury might be an option. He signed with the Eagles. Someone who's familiar with the Chiefs, he personally knows the Broncos and Chargers and maybe without a team in the coming weeks, Chris Harris Jr. There He's 33, mm-hmm. but he could be brought in for a one-year audition with experience to sort of bolster the secondary. Why not?
0: Yeah, um, you know, it's it's so interesting about that cornerback room because um, you know, the fact that they haven't uh made any more additions, you know, since the additions that they made during the offseason with Anthony Everett and Rocky Yassin um, it it kind of leads me to believe that, that they feel pretty good about where Trayvon Mullen is uh, health wise and availability wise. I'm hearing that you know somewhere around training camp is when you know uh, he's going to be able to to get out there full bore 100 percent. Maybe not right at, but you know in that time frame. So I'm just kind of wondering if that's just you know uh, if they feel pretty good about where they are right now, at least in terms of seeing what it looks like in training camp. Well, there you go. But I don't know. So, you know, I don't think that they're done. I don't think they're done adding. Willie, you were yeah, awesome, two, man. That's awesome. I love it. Go ahead. So, so the only two questions that we have, leaving <laughs> leaving our
2: conversation, is well, who are they going to add, and uh, what, are we, what is Darren Waller and Kelsey Plum actually a couple? That's the only. Those are the only two questions we have out there. Those are the because I did ask yeah. Kelsey Plum. I did ask Kelsey Plum after that day that it was on Cofield and Company. I went up to her. I had two questions for her. One was you're an unrestricted free agent, you played in Washington, you're the all time career scoring leader, and She Bird's retiring. Could could Seattle be a, a landing spot? And she said no comment. I said, Okay, my next question is <laughs> You're on the red carpet, a picture was taken, and before I could finish, she laughed at me, smacked me in my shoulder, and said, no comment, and went back to her stretching.
1: Oh, that's so good. That's how you get the good answers right there. (laughs) Willie, asking the hard questions. Dude, that's awesome, man. Thank you again for your time this morning. I know it's early. We appreciate it. We look forward to talking again real soon, man.
0: All right, guys, take it easy. All right, I appreciate it, Pison.
1: Willie, Willie G. Ramirez on Twitter, part of co and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and with the AP. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, but, um, you know, there's... <laughs> first of all, did Johnny Russo, let's get this out of the way. Johnny Russo was like a, a mainstay, of a Vegas fixture for a long time. Played Carlo in The Godfather. Oh, I
0: got a great story. I can't
1: always I, he, can't he always even loves to this. tell the story of like it was he was supposed to be Sonny and not yes, James Conn. Right. Khan, you know. <laughs> James Conn broke a couple of his ribs in a fight that they had in the uh in in the streets there in that one scene. But um uh, Johnny uh would owned a few clubs and uh, as <laughs> Willie was talking about it, one of them was called the State Street Lounge. Right where in 1988 there was a fight on the dance floor and uh, some guy grabbed Johnny from behind, start choking him while he was sitting in a booth. Johnny turns around, goes to address the man. The guy grabs a bottle, smashes it, and cuts a woman that was like his girlfriend, cut her in the face, oh. was going for her neck, and Johnny took his gun out and shot him right there on the dance floor wow. and was acquitted of all charges because uh, all the witnesses there said this guy was going to do something horrible right. to this woman on the dance floor. And so Johnny always has this wonderful little like uh, persona, even as uh, his stories get larger and larger as the years go on. But, yeah, that's definitely There's a biggest picture. There's enough truth
0: in all of them, and plus when you <laughs> shoot somebody, I mean, in <laughs> self-defense. Uh, that's That's street cred right there. So, uh, and whatever you say after that, everyone's going to believe what, whatever it is, whatever story that you have. But, uh, yeah. Um, one day I'll, I'll get permission to, to tell that story
1: from <laughs> yeah, a Hollywood
0: producer friend of mine.
1: Oh, okay. Good. I didn't yeah. know if you had to go to the Don, you know, I have to like, go, kind of, you had to call Kansas City bit. to get, get somebody uh, from Chicago. Th-
0: let's just, <laughs> let's just say there, there was a, uh, a very expensive car. Uh, that uh, that was involved, and uh, and and he was able to somehow, some way, uh, finagle his way into possession of that car. Oh, like like I'm talking about a really expensive car, and it was just. A crazy way that it all
1: happened. <laughs> Is that because somebody was found in the trunk of this car? No, 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 no. Okay. no, no. He he,
0: he, <laughs> let, he played his cards really, really well. It was it was a well played uh, acquisition. Um, uh, we'll just leave it at that. But uh, I definitely need to get um, some OKs for some key people. Okay, we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. All
1: right. If not, then we will go to Johnny ourselves. Yes, because I know Johnny will talk if if given the right amount of time and perhaps we need money. To get him on the show. Yeah. Right. Oh, we'll take him. We'll take him out to a nice dinner. Hey, we'll come back on the other side because. Uh, Hopefully Willie. we show up
0: yeah, right. to work the next yeah. day. <laughs> right. You never uh, know. Um, With what I know, <laughs> that might be bad news.
1: Why is that Uber driver smiling at us? Right,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a look at uh, what Willie said about the running back room because that brought up a lot of text on the Salmonash text line as well as the secondary and a whole lot more. And Vinny's 53-man roster article up at VegasNation.com. We'll talk about it all coming up next.
2: Angle checks in as the lead blocker. Give to Jacobs. faults up over the top. They're,
0: scoring they're signaling
2: touchdown. Oh, they're they're signaling touchdown. The Bears came out with a football. Jackson stole Eddie the ball. Jackson came in. They're signaling that
0: Jacobs broke the plane on this. What is the status of Josh Jacobs right now? Say it again. What is the status of Josh Jacobs? Is he here just not practicing? Yeah,
1: yeah, he's here. He's just working, he was working inside today. I mean, what doesn't impress you about Josh? Josh is a hell of a back, hell of an athlete. Uh, very patient, very explosive, and he can do a lot of things with the ball. So, I mean, he brings a lot to the game and he helps everybody out. I mean, even in pass protection and stuff like that too. So when you got guys like that, and then you got the rest of the guys in the room, we are just here to sharpen each other, make each other better. And so we're here to learn. So, you know, we're gonna try to add two cents in Josh thing. He's gonna add into the rest of us and we'll see how good we can be as a room. Raiders Radio Network coming back. Q&A with Josh McDaniels and Brandon Bolden on the end there talking about Josh Jacobs as we're back here on Raider Nation Radio. The morning tailgate here on r r 920. As uh, we had Willie Ramirez on, and, and he was posting a concern about because not being able to see Josh Jacobs, uh, if he was working inside or outside, either way, uh, what is his status a, a concern? Because not having Kenyon Drake because of the injury is one thing, but is Josh okay? Is, is something that the, maybe the, they want to like you know, work Josh in a different way instead of having to have him out on the field right now? I think it's just maintenance right now. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, I, I wouldn't be worried if if uh, if if I'm a Raider fan, I wouldn't be worried about you know Josh Jacobs not being out there during OTAs. I think everything about Josh Jacobs and especially that running back position uh, is just to make sure that. Um, you get him through a season. It's such a highly volatile position. We 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 know that it's a violent position in a lot of ways, um, and that's why you bring so many running backs uh, into the fold because there's a battle of attrition that sometimes happens uh, at that position, and so. Why even risk it uh, at at, at that time of year when we're talking about minicamp and and OTAs? He's getting the mental reps, I'm sure. He's in the playbook. He's in the classroom. He was in the building throughout. Um, So I don't think it's a major, major issue. And I think that he's in line to have a pretty decent season, too. Uh, If you look at the history of running backs uh, with the Patriots, they typically do it by committee. But there's always that one guy that sort of stands uh, out above the rest. I think Josh Jacobs is going to be that guy uh, here for for the Raiders uh, this year. Um, I've gone back. Remember we talked about this. When was the last time there was a thousand-yard rusher for the for the Patriots? Um, we had to go kind of far back, but typically they get a guy that gets about nine hundred plus mm-hmm. yards, and then somebody behind him that gets about six hundred uh, yards uh, or, or so. And then Brandon Bolden is going to do what he does; he's probably going to get about fifty carries, sixty carries, maybe. Um, you know, uh, go for 250, 300 yards or so. Be a guy that can block. Be a guy that can be somebody that you could throw the ball out of the backfield to. Uh, and I think that's how it's going to slide. I think it's going to be Josh Jacobs, Kenyon. On Drake um, and and Brandon Bolden, and if any of those guys get hurt, um, then you have a Zamir White um, waiting in the wings. Um Kind of developing right now this this season, learning the playbook, learning how to be a professional, how to be in the NFL. You don't necessarily need him uh, to do much uh, this year unless there's a circumstance that uh, that that dictates it. But I think that's what you're going to see. And I wouldn't be worried too much about Josh Jacobs. And I think he will be on the team this year. And I wouldn't rule out at the end of the year possibly if the money is right, if things can line up well, then he then he ends up uh, back with the Raiders.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, Lagaren Blunt was like the last guy that they had as a you know as like the McDaniel's offense had years ago as a major guy that was going to be your bell cow running back, right? And that's one out of like all those years, and even after that, that major year, we had about fifteen hundred yards and led the league in touchdowns. And they let him go to free agency so right. he can make money on another contract. Here's one from text line six nine one eight seven the Salmon Ash text line. You deserve what's right. Robin Oakland says, in terms of training camp battles, I think we all want serious competition at the O-line and cornerback because most of us are unsure about how they'll perform this year. But I'm going in a different direction. Rob says, I think the competition at running back is going to be intense. Jacobs, Drake, White, Bolden, Abdullah, Brown, and Jakob Johnson are battling for four spots. We may see a surprise or two out of that position group. Thank you, Rob, for the text. Uh, how many people did you have in the in your final uh, estimation for the running back room at running back for um, the fifty three
0: men? Yeah, hold on one second. I had Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drank, Brandon Bolden, uh, Jakob Johnson, and Zamir White. Okay, yeah, yeah. so five. Yeah. Okay. And, and I think that um you know the uh, the the rookie draft pick from UCLA probably ends up on the on the practice squad. Uh and I'm assuming that practice squad rules are going to be uh, the same as they've been for the last couple of years where you get a whole bunch more flexibility uh and so you know um you know don't don't be surprised if you see him uh, from time to time on, on the roster. And I also wouldn't be shocked or surprised if there's games and weeks that go by where Zamir White don't doesn't even dress up. Just out. He'll be part of the 53-man roster, but I don't necessarily think that he's going to be uh, consistently on the 46- or 47-man roster. Sure. Um, because you just have to make hard decisions in that regard. Again, you have a great young talent in Zamir White, but I don't necessarily think that you need to have him um, uh, do big things this year. I mean, if he earns it, if it's just – so outlandishly clear um, that he's somebody that the Raiders have got to get the ball to, um, then obviously that changes things. But I think that the plan um, is to bring him along slowly, get what you can get out of Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake uh, and Brandon Bolden as that third uh, uh, down back. Uh, Jakob Johnson is is your fullback, and and you'll be in pretty good shape that way.
1: What about... um... Uh, a guy like Kenyon Drake, who you know is dealing with an injury, he uh, he had an ankle injury, an ankle fracture in the Washington game that was December fifth, twenty twenty one. But the year previous, when he was in Arizona, that same ankle uh, had a tear in it, a grade three tear, a ligament tear, as well as a hip injury. So on that right side of his body has been very tender, <laughs> you know. And the ankle injury now this is twice in two years that he's had one on that right side. How uh, how carefully are they going to bring him along, and what kind of workload do you think he'll see once he comes back, or do you feel like he's almost there?
0: Um, y- there's nothing that's been said that doesn't indicate that uh, that that he won't be good to go. Um, you know, at some point, whether it's the start of training camp uh, or soon after. But again, that's why having a Zimmer White. Uh, and drafting as Amir White uh, was so shrewd because there he he does provide some level of insurance uh, in case Kenyon isn't ready to go right now, or in case there's an injury to a Josh Jacobs. You almost, you hate to say this, um, but, but, you know, uh, guys getting through the entire season at running back unscathed or not missing a game, it's almost... Um, a little bit too ambitious to, to, to assume that um, so that's why you have a Zamir White um, in the mix just in case something were to, were to happen uh, that you have somebody dependable, somebody that's really good uh, to be able to
1: turn to It's Vinny and Clay on your Monday morning tailgate. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on this. More questions from the text line 69187 on the offense as well and we'll talk to Albert Hall at 9 o'clock from the Vegas Summer League. All that more here on Radio Nation Radio. Clay
0: You know what they always say Whatever goes up has to come down. Kind of what's going on right now in the real estate market here in Las Vegas. Prices were soaring, now they're kind of leveling off. Might be a good time to start thinking about buying the home of your dream. And whether you're thinking about buying or selling, in order to achieve your goals, you're gonna need a responsible, experienced, real estate expert to help you achieve whatever your goal, whatever your objective is. And Realty One Group uh, wants to be the ones to be part of your story. Yep, the market is hectic, up and down. Uh, We see it's falling a little bit, uh, but it's still a great time to sell and even buy the home of your dreams. Um, And the Realty One Group has got you covered. They've been doing this for more than uh, 11 years here in Las Vegas, uh, creating better lives for their clients, get better lives for uh, real estate professionals uh, for more than a decade. And they're also proud to give back to their community, donating their time and resources uh, to make a great impact. So whether you're buying or selling, call the Realty One Group today at 888 461 Zero one
1: zero one That's Raider Nation Radio here on the morning tailgate. Thank you for joining us. Albert Hall from the Vegas Summer League is going to join us in the third hour. We'll get in touch with him about the upcoming Vegas Summer League taking place at Thomas and & Mack and Cox Pavilion. But joining us now, I want to turn our attention to Tiffany McNiff. She's the director of the Raiderettes, and this is a very special time of the year for a couple reasons. Not only are the junior Raiderette camps getting ready to take place, but there's a brand new state-of-the-art studio that the Raiderettes are now using now, the studio And Tiffany is here with us here on Raider Nation Radio. Good morning to you. How are you? I'm good, how are you guys? Oh, so good, thank you for joining us And I gotta ask you, uh, because it was fun uh, last year When we when we had you on and we were talking about How the Junior Raiderettes camps are gonna take place But they're now being a part of the same studio That you are now using with the Raiderettes To prepare for all the performances And all the game day activities Talk about what's going on now Because you guys are now starting to take uh, sign-ups For children for that three-day session That'll be split from ages four to seven All the way up to uh, twelve and fourteen Let's talk about that because that's going to take place in just a few weeks for families to start signing up their toddlers their up for the Junior Raiderettes.
3: Yeah, we are so excited to welcome families into our studio. We are so lucky to have the most beautiful state-of-the-art studio, and we can't wait to start teaching the kids. Uh, the Raiderettes will be teaching all of the classes so they'll have one-on-one trading with these wonderful ladies, and we're just really excited to welcome the community into our
2: beautiful facility.
0: And I would imagine, uh, uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that we're uh, uh, steering clear and clearer from uh, the pandemic. Um, that these were plans that you guys probably had in place for a while, but are finally able to uh, to execute uh, them. Um, how good does it feel that uh, that that you guys are able to really start making that connection with the community?
3: It's wonderful. You know, the first game, just being able to see fans for the first time in two years and be able to be face-to-face and in front of them was incredible. So now being able to go out into the community and be at events and shake hands and now having the opportunity to teach kids is just going to be wonderful. We are so excited. We have so many fun things planned. The last day of camp, we're going to do a parent showcase. Um, They get pom-poms. They get T-shirts. And they're going to learn two dance routines. We're making crafts. It's just going to be a lot of fun. Great way for us to connect with the community and great way for the kids to have a wonderful summer experience.
1: You can go online and check it out for yourself and register there at Raiderett's The Studio dot com slash camps Raiderettes the studio dot com slash camps you can sign up for the uh the three camps that are three day split sessions and they're for all ages uh leading up from like you know from four to seven all the way up to twelve to fourteen beginning July 2nd to the 14th and all the way to the 26th and 28th but talk about how you also not only do the dance routines and your squad members do such a great job but from over the years where well, I've talked to families who've had their daughters out at these camps that they've talked about a lot of how you build a lot of team building you Foster a lot of great relationships that you know you're 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 actually connecting in more ways than just dance routines. You're actually becoming like somewhat of a mentor, and you're talking to a lot of these girls and daughters that have not been uh, been able to be exposed to this kind of uh, work before.
3: Absolutely, these camps are really just an opportunity for us to teach these kids and help them grow as individuals. And you know, we want to be the big sisters in the community to kids and. Just inspire them to pursue their dreams. We actually have two girls on the team now who were junior Raiderettes Amazing. back in the day. And one of them I taught when she was nine. Definitely aging myself, but <laughs> she, um, she is a Raiderette now. So you know, never know where this opportunity will take you. And I think it's just a really great way for kids to connect with one another and learn about what it is to be a cheerleader and an ambassador in the community. And it's just going to be a lot of fun.
0: Speaking of which Tiffany, uh, I, we're about three weeks away from uh, the start of training camp Games are literally right around the corner including uh, the Hall of Fame game in Canton Ohio uh, in under 40 days now which is crazy to think about uh, I know everybody is excited uh, the players the coaches um, you know on, on that side of things but I got to imagine uh, that for, for you guys with the um this is this is a fun time of year to start thinking about uh, everything that's about ready to unfold when this season uh, gets underway.
3: Oh, absolutely. We are putting in the work. We've been working hard. We are getting game day ready. We actually had our first performance at the Aces game this weekend, so that was our first oh, opportunity as a team to take the court. It's super fun, but we are ready. We are excited, and we can't wait to be in Canton, Ohio. In our first preseason game at home against the Vikings, we actually have our 60th at reunion, so we're going to have about 500 former Raider S out there taking the field with us. So it's going to be an Mm -hmm. extra special season for us.
1: Oh, what an incredible moment! That'll be amazing. I, we, I, we we definitely got to do we got to have you back on that because of all the stories and the history of the Raiderettes coming together for a preseason game against the Vikings. That's brilliant, and I and I'd be remiss to even ask you about the studio. In fact, uh, again, RaiderettesTheStudio.com slash camps is where you can register. But RaiderettesTheStudio.com also shows you some of the inside photos of what the studio is now like. What's it like for you, and how do you explain and describe the new facility you're working with?
3: Oh my goodness. Our facility is absolutely stunning. I have never danced in a studio that is this gorgeous and it's all Raiderette branded. It's absolutely beautiful. I feel like I'm the lady that says, back in my day, I had to walk uphill both ways in the snow because we practiced at an elementary school and I tell the team that all the time (laughs) and they just have these incredible facilities. So, When I was a part of the team in Oakland, we didn't have those things, and now they do now. And we are just so fortunate to be a part of an organization that values its cheerleaders so much
1: com slash camps. Register now for the Junior Raider Rat camps that will be taking place inside of the new state-of-the-art studio for the Raiderats. It begins July 12th through the 14th uh, for ages 4 to 7, ages 8 to 11, July 19th through the 21st, and on the 26th and 28th of this month, July, from 10 a.m. to 4. You're doing a lot of great work, Tiffany. Thank you again for your time, and uh, let's get you on again real soon. See more about the camps, and especially as you guys approach the season. All right. I'd love that. You guys have a great day and go Raiders. Oh, Thank you you so much. Thank you, uh, Tiffany. Tiffany. It's awesome. Raiderettes, the com slash camps, get your daughter in there today. Registration takes place now and you want to make sure you get in there before they fill up because they always do. Let's take a break. We'll come back with Albert Hall from the Vegas summer league next on Raider nation radio.
0: Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider nation radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.